Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 174. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing, Kevin? Uh, pretty good. Is it hot it's there? So, oh my god, it's so hot. It is so brutal here. I don't, uh, Unbelievably brutal. It's like 100 degrees. I don't here. like it. I don't, I'm not a fan. I had to do laundry today. And uh, just, just me walking around the block to the laundromat, which is very 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 close to my apartment i was yeah like drenched in sweat. I, was at, was... I was just at a baseball game so oh man those are all the sun just makes me want to go to sleep yeah it just drains I just you. want to sleep well this week we're gonna be talking about three Holy movies we're gonna be doing shit. three reviews We'll be having Film Pulse contributor Ernie Trinidad back on the show to talk about Ant-Man. And then we're also going to be talking about the documentary The Wolf Pack, which is now available on iTunes, and that's still playing in select cities. And we'll also be talking about Alleluia, which I believe is also available on VOD right now. Um, and that is a, I'll call it a thriller, directed by, it's a French-Belgian thriller. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Directed by Fabrice Duelts. Oh, man. You're getting so, so good at that. Got all kinds of fun stuff lined up this week. We'll also be going over something we've been watching along with movie predictions. New on VOD, Blu-ray releases, all that fun stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and just jump right into our first review. Let's go ahead and get Ernie on the line and talk about some Ant-Man. All right, let's talk about some Ant-Man. Ernie Trinidad, welcome back on the show. How you doing, sir? I am doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I can't complain. Uh, let's just jump right into it. This is directed by Peyton Reed. I have a synopsis here. Armed with a super suit with the astonishing ability to shrink in scale but increase in strength, con man Scott Lang must embrace his inner hero and help his mentor, Dr. Hank Pym, plan and pull off a heist that will save the world. The stars, Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly, and Corey Stoll. There's a whole bunch of people in this movie, though. Uh, uh, Bobby Cannavale's in there. Judy Greer, Michael Pena, T.I. is in there. I didn't. I don't. I don't think I knew that he was in that before. Before I saw it. Uh, and then a lot of cameos from different Marvel, Marvel Studios uh, people. So now, Ernie, you have. I think it's safer to just say just other appearances from the MCU. I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just one big happy family now. Yeah, yep. We see Peggy Carter's in there, and some and some other ones. And some others. Uh, yeah, that we won't uh, we won't spoil until the spoiler section. We are going to do a spoiler section on this on this one because uh, there's a lot of a lot of Easter eggs and things to talk about with this movie. Now, Ernie, you have a review up on the site, so I'm going to start this off. I liked Ant-Man quite a bit. I kind of figured I would. Uh, I like pretty much everything that Marvel Studios has done. And I remember when they were first putting out these movies and every single one of them, I was kind of like nervously anticipating because I never knew if it was going to be good or not. But now right. Marvel Studios has won me over so that 
no matter what the movie is, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm excited for it. Like I'm I'm confident that it'll be good. And with Ant Man, yeah. even even with the whole Edgar Wright uh, debacle with him leaving leaving the film and all of this stuff, and they weren't sure because there was like a whole bunch of directors that they were approaching and stuff before they went with Peyton Reed or before he agreed to do it. Right. Um, I was still pretty confident in this movie, and I'm very happy to say that it. I had a great time with it. I don't think it's the best Marvel studios film uh but i appreciated that it was a much smaller scale than you know an avengers movie where essentially this is a heist film and i i loved that right. i love that aspect i like the fact that marvel's trying different things with their properties like they don't you don't have to do a typical giant enormous epic superhero movie with these larger than life heroes, you know, destroying cities. You don't have to do that. You can make it on a smaller scale. And right, it's uh, basically like t- even taking account the Netflix series that just started because uh, the last two Marvel films are Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy, which really have nothing to do with Avengers, and they pretty much established that there's a world out there and there are things that go on that don't have to be about the Avengers and what they're doing. Right. There, there are things on the side going on. These little things that are going on, and it's, and just like you were saying that they just your trepidations about what they're about to turn out. I mean, who would have thought a movie with a uh, raccoon with an attitude and um and a uh, tree that only says three words would have been one of the best films last year? Right. And then you're thinking, well, Guardians was great, so well, let's see what they do with Ant Man. And I was going and feeling the same way. It's like, could Ant Man be that movie that breaks their streak? But Lo and behold, ever since um, ever since uh, Avengers, the first Avengers movie, every single Marvel movie they turned out was actually really good to great. <laughs> it's like now it makes me even look forward more forward to the uh, the properties that have yet to be introduced down the road. Now that they're going into phase three, yeah, absolutely, so. yeah, I agree. Now this uh, this is more of a comedy, I would say, than than their other films. Uh, oh. it's definitely even funnier than. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, I I laughed quite a bit in this in this film. I I had a really good time with it, and I think that it's uh, arguably the lightest of of all of them. The uh, it's just the most comic booky, I guess. Maybe maybe that's not maybe that's not it's not more comic booky than the Avengers, but it is certainly lighter. It's more fun, I would say. It it, it focuses yeah. more on fun than giant set pieces. In fact, there's very small set pieces in this, like micro set pieces, which I thought were were great. Yeah, 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 yeah really, really well done. But I guess it's also the fact that this is actually just a person with who just puts on a suit like uh, Tony mm-hmm. Stark, and uh, that's basically where his power comes from. So other than that, he's just nobody. Right. So I think it's been a long time since they actually focused on. I mean, Captain America is sure he's a guy, but he's got superhuman powers because of the uh, yeah. serums. And the Super Soldier uh, project, but uh, Scott Lang is just your ever average run-of-the-mill cat burglar who just gets given the opportunity of a life. Yep, yep, exactly. And and you know one one of the things that Marvel's been consistently doing with its films is taking lower tier characters and kind of sticking them in the forefront and showing that even the lower tier characters, like Ant Man, is not a very popular Marvel character i mean he's had several iterations right. i mean hank pym is 
most notably uh, a, a wife beater in the comic books. I'm not sure if you if you knew that that whole storyline. Where... Oh, I did not know that. I only knew of the fact that he was Ant Man and was the creator of Ultron. So yeah, he <laughs> that's about it. In the in the comic books, Hank Pym is the main Ant Man. He's he's who most people think of. Uh, but I guess for the movies, they didn't. They probably didn't want to go there with the whole uh, domestic abuse type uh, storyline that and they they right. they kept that in the Marvel universe. They never like retconned it out or anything like that. It's it's stuck and uh, he it, it might have been too serious for 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 Yeah. for the MCU. Yeah. They they clearly wanted to make this kind of a light entertaining fun movie, but I have theories behind how they did things because in this film Yellow Jacket is the villain who in the comic books uh, Yellow Jacket is not a villain at all. In fact, it's Hank Pym. Hank mm-hmm. Pym becomes Yellow Jacket after he stops be- being Ant Man. So, and wasn't it that Scott Lang was actually someone who stole the suit and then was like yeah. committing crimes, and then Pym had to come out and stop him, and then eventually recruited him? Yeah, or yeah. Like yeah. He um, he ended up working for for Tony Stark as a security security uh, person for Tony Stark. So that's how the whole Scott Lang thing fit in there. But I'm thinking that maybe they had Yellow Jacket be the villain to, sh- to show kind of, um, kind of show that the, the dark side of Hank Pym, maybe even, even as kind of like a little fan service thing, because, you know, he's not a, he, he does a lot of bad things in the comics. So maybe this was their way of kind of keeping that in there without, actually making him a horrible that that character of Hank Pym a horrible person they're like oh well we'll just right. take the bad things that this character did and we'll create a separate character out of that you know yeah they also effectively uh, made uh, Pym and uh, uh, what is it, uh, Darren Cross uh, uh, two sides of the same point yeah. because Cross just went further than where Pym stopped and Cross picked it up and he pretty much is where Pym would have been had to continue with his research. Yeah. yeah. So it was to say he would have would have gone bad. Yep. And that, and that's kind of that just kind of goes along with my theory with the character of Darren Cross being created to kind of be the the other side of that coin with with Hank Pym, which is cool. I mean, I think it's a cool idea. I like the idea of of uh, Ant Man fighting uh, another villain that can also shrink. I. Wasn't I don't know the character of Yellow Jacket. I, I wasn't huge on him, but thankfully, yeah, I kind of I kind of felt the same way that I felt about uh, Jeff Bridges uh, uh, turn as the villain in the first yeah. Iron Man, where I'm like, hey, it was cool, and then when they fought, I was like, I was like, I already saw RoboCop too. I don't, I, I need, I don't need to steal that but the, again. But um, you know, that's it. Kind of got the same feel here, but it made sense that they had to have the villains who. Uh, a hero and a villain fighting at the same time. It would just be weird if they were fighting Ant-Man against a, a regular person. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Or a regular person. Yeah, I think that it, it it allowed them to do more fun things with the fights. You know, when they were shrinking and and the fact that they can shrinking and go back to normal size, kind of on the fly. It made the the action scenes more fun to to watch, and mm. it was it was cooler. Um, I liked it that uh, they kept in a lot of the whole ant thing where he can control the ants. And that was a big part of, that was right. a big part of this movie that him learning how to control the ants to do what, what he needed them to do. 
I like that they kept all that stuff in there. Um, I, you know, I, I really don't have a whole lot of uh, criticisms uh, against this movie. I, I guess maybe I wanted more of him being uh, small-sized and doing different things. Mm. But that's mm. a nitpick, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, my only real qualm was that the villain uh, was good, not like fantastic or anything. It was, like, it was serviceable for the story, and uh, I guess my, my my main issue was the whole um, subplot dealing with the uh, fiancé cop um, mm-hmm. and Judy Greer, the, uh, the ex-wife, yeah. and uh, how that just unfolded. It just seemed like clearly there, he was there for comic relief, but they already established that the comic relief was Lang crew, so it felt like, like a superfluous storyline that I didn't think was effectively paid off at the end. I was like, mm. like, or it didn't, it didn't uh, destroy my enjoyment of the movie at all. But I just felt like it was like they could have done more yeah. of that, or made it more than more stereotypical, less stereotypical than it already yeah, was. Yeah, absolutely, I could agree with that. Maybe, and maybe they'll have more with those characters down the road. I mean, this is an origin story after all, so that a lot of this felt like. You know, they were establishing the characters, they were setting up motivations mm. and connections and all of that stuff. Um, and speaking of um, origin stories, I think this is like the first one Kevin Feige was like saying, like, yeah, we're not doing any more origin stories. Oh, well. Like, really heavy, intensive origin stories. So it feels like this one really, like, a abbreviated version of the origin of Ant-Man because, like, you know, wait, everybody going in, I was like, wait, Hank Pym is Ant-Man. And then we already, like, just give snippets of him as, as right. Ant-Man. And it's like, it's already established that he's Ant-Man, we know. And they just told you all you really need to go go on to see Scott Lang as Ant-Man. So I'm like, taking this like, well, this is the route they're going to take with, with other characters. Yeah. And, I mean, really all they had to do was have him, have Scott Lang agree to be the new Ant-Man, show a montage of him learning the suit, learning the powers and all of that stuff. And that's it. You're good mm-hmm. to go. Yeah, we're just we're just pretty much what the, did. the rest yeah. is just moving forward the plot of this of the heist, which is in this film, and then also yeah. you know developing the relationships that he forms with Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and everybody else involved, and in, you know the character character stuff. Which yeah, yeah, kind of like when I saw this, I haven't had the opportunity to see it again, but it felt like not to say it's The Incredibles, mm-hmm. but it felt like The Incredibles, where it's just a slow build. But once they got to that island, it was on, and you were just jazzed from that point on. Yeah. So watching Ant Man is like it was a slow build. I'm like, yeah, okay, that was cute, that was funny, that was that was cool, that was that was cool. But up until the, the heist begins, that's when it really hits its stride and doesn't stop until yeah, the end. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I mean, I, I I love heist movies. So as soon as I realized, because I didn't know that that's what this was going into it. I mean, I knew from the trailers how that Michael Douglas kind of uh, makes Scott Lang the new Ant-Man because he needs him to steal something, but I didn't know. I thought that that was just, like, going to be the beginning part of the movie. I didn't realize that mm. the, essentially the whole movie is centered around this this heist and preventing uh, yeah. Corey Stoll's character, Darren Cross, of, you know, um, developing this technology and then selling it to... Um, yeah. But the uh, the way the heist unfolds, they really effectively show just what kind of an asset Ant Man yeah, would be yeah, yeah. in the situation. Yeah. So, and I uh, think that that's something important with a character like Ant Man is to show his worth. You know, like oh, it's a guy that can shrink 
to be an inch tall. It's not like he can shrink down so far that you can't see him. You know, he's still there. And it's like, okay, well, how how would he be an asset? And I think that they really did prove that he is an asset or and can be an asset in this movie, especially. I don't know. Maybe it's, this is a spoiler. Um, I'll say that he gets in a. There's a really cool fight scene, probably, probably about yeah, the the uh, midway that was, point. That was, Save that for the spoiler section because I didn't. Know I didn't that know I was going to happen. Okay, there's a, there's a particular fight scene about the midway point that's really awesome and and really shows off what he has the the potential uh, to do in this. Uh, one one like kind of thing. It just it got under my skin and it was. This is probably another nitpick, but it just bothered me. There's a scene where uh, Darren Cross, Corey Stoll's character, uh, he puts on the cost the yellow jacket outfit for the first time and when he does this there's so much going on it's chaotic it's hectic he has to do it real fast and he immediately knows how to control the suit and everything in it perfectly and i i, I just felt like i get that they had to do it that way but i feel like if you put on this suit for the first time, you'd be fumbling around. You wouldn't know what to do. You wouldn't know how to use it effectively. Maybe you don't even know how to shoot the guns properly or aim them. Because we went through this whole training montage of Paul Rudd learning how to use the suit when Corey Stoll can just hop in his and use it perfectly right off the bat. Well, I guess he's had all that time to design it. So maybe you just know that he just couldn't uh, apply it because it didn't have the correct formula. <laughs> That's all. Maybe that's all he needed. So, or, or maybe that's something that's covered in a deleted scene. Who knows? No, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe that could be something that was lost in in a rewrite because there's how many screenwriters on this? Quite a few. Quite a few. Well, that. Four. Yeah, five. that was that was the thing that uh, that I was kind of surprised that that this actually it works pretty well for having that many people. You know, having their hands involved in it, and now yeah. I, I read some some interview or uh, reviews that were comparing this uh, to to Edgar Wright's films, and they were kind of saying that the final product of this does have some uh, some shades of Edgar Wright in it. Did you did you see any of that? Um, not entirely. Yeah, because I. Actually, I was like, no, not really. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I like, wasn't really seeing a whole lot of Edgar Wright's influence in this either. Because I, I can't even tell you if, if this was still Edgar Wright, if it would still be the same movie one that we saw, and or whether it would be as good as, or, or better, who knows? But it's like, sure is, because uh, I, I saw the footage that they screened at Comic-Con a couple years ago, and that technology and how that thing is... Uh, done is pretty much the same as they carried over into the main film. Yeah, that was the, the but, gun um, the so, gun footage, right, when he runs? The gunfight, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the gunfight. But, yeah, I mean, overall, I don't see his fingerprints all over it. Yeah, I, I didn't see it either, so I'm not sure. I mean, the the comedy, if they were referring to the, the comedic aspects, all that was yeah. there. I love the banter between Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas. That was great. I, mm-hmm. I, I loved all of that stuff. I liked... Uh, now I didn't even know this. This is just a slightly off-topic thing, but at the beginning of the film, it takes place in I think it's '89. Yeah, I think '89. Um, there's a scene with Michael Douglas as a younger Hank Pym, 
And I thought that that was mm-hmm. all just makeup. Like, I didn't realize that they actually digitally altered him to, to make yeah, him look younger. That, that was the most... Uh, I saw it in 3D, so I haven't seen it in 2D, so I don't know how it holds up or if you can see the scenes. But I was, like, amazed at how they were able to de-age him because I think back to uh, Tron Legacy and how the... Young Jeff Bridges. How, uh, Jeff, the young Jeff Bridges looked so... Fake. He odd. looked CG. He looked incredibly CG. He looked CG. He looked odd. But this one is like, that looks like well, Michael Douglas. I, I didn't even know. Like like from Black Rain. Yeah, like I, I didn't even... It was so seamless and so perfectly done that I just thought it was makeup. I just thought that they, yeah. you know layered some makeup on him and dyed his hair and all of a sudden he was younger i mean i would like to see the behind the scenes because maybe that is actually michael douglas performing the part and then they just digitize him down 40 years. yeah i think it was the same or 30 years I think it was the same kind the same team that did uh captain america the the effects with uh mm. chris evans to make him look right skinny and yeah but even 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 oh, then, you, yeah, you, still had a, yeah. a tinge of cg you can oh, tell yeah. but I, I guess that they advanced that and that was only what four, three or four yeah, years ago something like that yeah uh, i was like did a really good job on that i was like whoa i was like uh, already right off the bat i'm like wow i can't believe they pulled that yeah off. i i was surprised that I, I mean i found that out after the fact and i was like what that that looked yeah, really I actually, good yeah i didn't read know about that until i read an interview with Michael Douglas and saying he looked pretty pretty good for <laughs> for playing his part uh, 40 years younger. <laughs> yeah, that was that was crazy. Um what did you think of the whole the team of uh that he had with Michael Peña and David uh Desmalchian and TI his his crew? Was... I thought I thought they were really funny. Uh, they were really good. They uh pretty entertaining. Um I guess you just have to take it with a grain of salt that they know what they're doing because they're like pulling out some crazy yeah. stuff. But uh, they just turned out to be ideal comic relief, and Michael Pena just like practically stole the movie. Yeah, I, I thought they were and, all uh, really funny. I think even Ti did a really good job. He was even he was really funny. I just find it funny that uh, David was the the crazy psycho guy from Dark mm-hmm. Knight that uh, that Harvey was uh, interrogating. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's. that's uh, I just saw him in a in an indie film called Animals recently, and he he did a really good job in that. He played a drug addict, but he was he was really good in that too. So well, I like that guy. Um, I I, I liked that whole team. I, I liked the dynamic with them. I thought that they were effective as the comic relief. Uh, Michael Pena got a little bit on my nerves towards the end, but no, you know, no 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 big issues. Yeah, there was a lot of stupid silly stuff. That, that, that's so much in the character, so. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, let's see. I can't think of anything else that I want to talk about that's non-spoiler related. Do you want to just hop into spoilers? Do you have anything else to add? Um, I guess the only person who left out was Evangeline oh, Lilly, yeah. uh, I think Ken's daughter. Yeah. And uh, she's actually uh, quite good. Yeah. She, and um, I think in the... Especially in the the emotional scenes for the heart of the uh, movie, it was uh, the the whole the whole heart of the movie is basically father daughter relationships. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That uh, that theme is carried well throughout. Yeah, the entire film. I so, liked that whole that whole uh, like underlying uh, story between uh, the two of them and and the fact that they were kind of estranged and you know they were trying to 
repair their relationship and all of that with uh and yeah. I, and I like that they incorporated uh his his wife in there and and told her story and all yeah. of that too and I'm, I if I th- remember correctly I'm pretty sure that Hope Van Dyne that character is actually a villain in the Marvel universe so they did some uh s- switching around of things with her but uh, yeah I think, I think I also read somewhere that uh, Scott Lang's daughter Cassie actually becomes a a mm-hmm. uh, heroine herself. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, such a small world. I'm like, yeah, yep, she she does, she does. Uh, all right, let's go ahead. We're going to talk about some spoilers. So I'll have the time code in the show notes. So if you haven't seen the film yet, if you don't want it spoiled, go ahead and s- just skip right over this part. Uh, all right, spoiler time. I guess. The first thing, the big thing, is is the the two stingers. Uh, yeah. th- these were actually very substantial stingers at, at the end. I mean, you know, normally it's one that's kind of teasing you of something to come, and then the other one is usually a, a, a jokey one, you know, a throwaway kind of thing. Right. But both of these were actually pretty significant. So the first one was uh, revealing that Evangeline Lilly is probably going to become wasp the new wasp um there's a scene where hank pym shows a new suit that he was working on for his wife before she disappeared into the Mm. uh, microverse i think it's called or something like that yeah yeah something like that but uh the uh overriding arc for for hope van dyne is that she really wants to take action she really wants to put on the suit but her but hank won't let her because hank lost his wife the wasp on a mission because of the suit so and he doesn't want to lose his daughter to that too but then he finally realizes she she can hold her own and she can do it so looks like she'll take on the mantle yeah so she'll she'll uh, be team up team up with scott i'm sure they will i'm i'm sure they will so she's going to be lost presumably i think that that's great you know that's awesome it does seem like kind of going off of that it does seem like there's going to be more with uh, Hank Pym's wife in this because they mm-hmm. make a point. Yeah, it seemed like they were, he was in the, towards the end, it seemed like he was going through the thought process that maybe there is a way yeah. to get in there and he's get gonna, out. So, it's, so maybe they'll go back It to seems that. like he's going to go in there and try to find her because uh, they never show her face. They, they There's a, there's a yep. picture that they show with the, with the three of them and she has her face covered up with a hat. So I'm as soon as I saw that I was like okay, well they're they're doing that in case they want to bring her back. And then there was I just had like a, I just had a random thought. What if it went with the next one turns out it's Kathleen Turner. That'd be awesome. I think it'd be <laughs> or Sharon Stone. I, I think it'd be <laughs> hilarious. Oh, Sharon Sharon Stone, I could actually see that. I could see that uh, Kathleen Turner I, I'm, I don't really see that happening, but mm. well, it could be ages, huh? Mm. Could be. I, I would. I would yeah. love to see Kathleen Turner. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. But it does seem like they're setting it up for him to go in and try to find her because he seemed to be like asking, mm. asking him questions about how he got out and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm pretty right. sure that they're going to bring that back at some point, or they're at least leaving it open for the possibility to bring it back. You know. Mm. And also the fact that Hydra escaped with the uh, pin particles. So. Yep. So. So that's that floating it's out there. The, we we discover 
later on that Darren Cross was planning on selling it the the, the technology to Hydra, so they they get a hold of it. So I'm sure that they're going to be doing terrible things with it now. And the the second big stinger is um, with it, it's involving uh, Falcon and um, Captain America and Winter Soldier. Uh, Bucky, and it's pretty much alluding, at least it seems like it's alluding to Civil War, and it... Yeah. I think it's a, a straight-up a scene out of Civil War. Oh, it could be, yeah. Because like, like, there's, there's like, like no, real, the no real context to... Yeah, there's no real context or, like, like a teasing or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, there was no... Like, yeah, it's it definitely. Because now, all like in other ones, like the when uh, they introduced the twins at the end of uh, Winter Soldier, that that felt like a like a clear cut. Okay, this is a tease for the next one. Yeah, and and you didn't feel, but this one definitely felt like it was just a scene that they. Yeah, picked. it was like a vertical slice of some some scene. Yeah, definitely, I think so. And, and then they uh, then they tease how uh, uh, we'll, we'll get to it, but there's a fight with Falcon where Falcon is the first Avenger to. See what Ant Man's capable mm-hmm. of. Yes, and um, and then they're talking about uh, Rogers and uh, and Falcon uh, are talking and uh, they say, "I think I know a guy." Yeah. So uh, and then and then the movie ends with the cue card: Ant Man will return. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like Ant Man's going to be recruited on Cap's side of the Civil War, which you know, mm-hmm. I probably could have guessed which that. Is, anyway. uh, but the but the scene is interesting because. It's not the first time that um, Rogers sees Bucky because he saw him at, at the end of Winter Soldier, right. but and it doesn't seem like it's the first time he's seeing him since then because it didn't seem like he had that big of a reaction to seeing Bucky again because obviously he must have run across him before it, or there or something. Uh, yeah, it looked like maybe uh, maybe that's like after a fight or something because he was out of breath. It looked like he was out of breath, but he was also like. He had his like hand in a vice or something like they were maybe they're interrogating yeah. him or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe Bucky finds something out and has some intel for for them or something. Yeah, I have to go in and get it. But um, was it uh yeah, it must be something really like important that they would have, they would need Ant Man to go in and infiltrate and steal something. Yeah. So I'm just. That that you can go on a whole show speculating. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Civil War. I don't know. Just the fact that they're containing it to to one to just Captain America and keeping it contained into to one movie. Uh, I don't know. It just it seems like I have a feeling they I have a feeling they won't do that. I think they'll carry threads into like all the movies. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I hope they'll, so. They'll come to a head and. Uh, in War, but it's just yeah. interesting to me because Civil War involves everybody. You know, like it's yeah. not just Captain yeah, America versus, you know, it's not just Captain America and Falcon and the people that that have been established in his his standalone movies versus a villain. Yeah. It's it's everybody versus everybody. It literally is a civil war yeah, and, with and the heroes. Characters uh, are getting their introductions and uh, Black Panther. I don't know. Doctor Strange will be in there. He should. He should but, uh, be. But I, yeah. I imagine he will be. Uh, Spider Man will be in there. Peter Parker or Peter Parker. I don't know what, what form he'll take, and how long he'll be in there. But uh, but um, but there was a slight tease too. The, mm-hmm. the web crawler <laughs> in the movie where yeah. um, and they're saying it's like a, a journalist was saying, oh, I got stories about uh, guys who can walk through like do this. Guys can do that. And and guys are going to crawl up walk, walk up yeah. walls. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's like. 
nice little small hint. Yeah, uh, so basically, like, after Falcon gets in a fight with Ant-Man, he kind of starts digging and, and ends up talking to this, this reporter who knows, uh, who may know something about Ant-Man, and she, she alludes to Spider-Man, and I guess, uh, I read that they weren't even, like, that was just supposed to be a fun little thing that they wrote that in before, uh, Marvel got a hold of Spider-Man, or before the deal was set, huh? so... It just worked out really nicely for him. And uh, speaking of Falcon, uh, the biggest surprise, one of the biggest surprises of me was the appearance of the Falcon. Yeah. The fact that <laughs> but, he was in uh, it. But even better still was there's a there was a scene where Scott has to infiltrate a warehouse to get a piece of uh, tech from Stark that they need, and and Tim was going off old intel, and when Lang is going in there to get in there he discovers that it is now the avengers new base mm-hmm. which i was not expecting i just started dying laughing and then when he gets there and he's like saying he's like i don't feel good about this he's like i'm gonna go through this i'm gonna find it. it's like oh don't worry they can't that falcon comes swooping in like because he's detected something and he's like ah don't worry nobody he can't see me i can see you yeah. <laughs> and then you have a unexpected introduction where he goes which you see in the trailer but it's out of context because it makes like they're making the exchange between uh Yellow Jacket and yeah. Ant Man, but in fact the exchanges between Ant Man and Falcon. Mm-hmm. It was like saying, like, "Oh, I, I, I'm a big fan. I, I'm Ant Man." <laughs> and then they they get into a big fight, and it really shows what how how he can take on an Avenger and win. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then it's like just a great dynamic. It was a really great sense of humor. Really funny, and it was like really cool. And then it's like in the end, it's like. I think it was like, ah, so that's his introduction to the Avengers. That'll work. Yeah, I was surprised that they even had that. Like, I figured that they would put in a couple tie-ins here and there, like like offhanded references mm-hmm. and things like that, like the scene. Yeah, which they did, yeah, they, like, like tinned, like, things like, oh, they're probably just dropping a city or something. Yeah, like, they, they did do that, but I didn't expect to see any actual... Uh, Avengers in this, so that that was a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. I was I was really, especially because they fought too. You know, that's that's an even better yeah. a better treat to see them fight, of course. But yeah, I liked all all of that too. I'm trying to think of um, I'm trying to think of some additional spoilery type stuff. I guess uh, two of the funniest the one of the funniest bits I remember from the original trailer was the whole Thomas the Thomas yeah. the engine collision. Uh, that and so that was one of the funny uh, beats where Thomas suddenly becomes giant, giant. <laughs> crashes through the house. Giant, giant yeah. Thomas, but uh, the other one was cute, but got a little too cheesy. Was with the ant because all of a sudden I just started about thinking about Honey I Shrunk the Kids. It reminded me quite a bit of Honey I Shrunk the Kids actually, which I know that I mean there's it. It wasn't referencing it or anything, but it just reminded me so much of yeah. that. I, I guess just because. I, mean, I guess the, the the cheeky thing about it is it becomes a pet, but I guess it's okay if Lang is using his uh, his uh, Bluetooth Bluetooth to hand them and can control that hand yeah, from, wouldn't, from eating his dog. Yeah, I mean, like, wouldn't he have to constantly be controlling it, or else it would just go? Yeah, I'm like thinking that thing could like bite your daughter's yeah. head off. <laughs> and imagine how strong it is too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's supposed to be able. Haul 800 times its own weight. So, and that thing is now yeah, exactly long. <laughs> yeah, running around like the size of like the size of a dog yeah. or something. However big it is, so that I don't know. That was, huge. <laughs> I, I found that to be just kind of like a like a goofy throwaway throwaway yeah, type a, gag. Throwaway, I, but, it was kind of silly. 
Overall, though, yeah, uh, lots of lots of fun little Easter eggs and stuff like that. I know that there's there are some other ones thrown in there here and there, but I'm mm. sure I didn't pick up on all of them. I think I did read an interview with Peyton Reed that said there's at least three Easter eggs that the internet hasn't found yet. So, huh. but that was a couple days ago, so maybe maybe they've found everything since then. I guess uh, there's a scene in a lab where where uh, Hank Pym is kind of going over the technology with uh, and the plan with Scott Lang, and uh, there's like all kinds of mm-hmm. miniature things everywhere, and apparently there's some Easter right. eggs hidden in there. Yeah. So. Okay, gonna have to watch that again. <laughs> Look around yeah. the screen. You know. Um. And uh, did you uh, see it in two D? I saw 3D? it in three D at the IMAX. Yeah, so did I. That top of three was actually really good, especially in the shrinking yeah. sequences. Uh, let's let's talk about that in just a second. Did you have any other spoilers that you wanted to go over before we get out of this? Um, not that I can think of. Yeah, I can't really I think. think of uh, think of too much. I mean, it, it pretty much ended the way I expected it to. There, uh, I, Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne did did kind of hook up there at the end. So I'm guessing uh-huh. that they're going to be a couple for whatever is next for them, which I think could be really funny if they're kind of like a bickering superhero couple, you know, fighting crime mm-hmm. together. I, I like that 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 yeah. idea. That should be uh, kind of a different dynamic from Wasp and uh, Ant-Man from other... Well, my, like my knowledge of uh, the Avengers was from the uh, Disney uh, cartoon right. series. So. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be different, but I think it'll be it'll be pretty fun, so... All right, let's go ahead and end our spoiler discussion. Welcome back if you skipped ahead. Uh, now, you were talking about 2D versus 3D. Uh, both of us saw it in the 3D, so can't really say uh, what which is preferable, but I will say that it looked pretty damn good in 3D. Um, I, I don't normally... The, the whole concept of 3D kind of lost its luster to me, so... If I can choose, I usually go 2D at this point. However, right. it just worked out that it was at the IMAX in 3D at the time that I wanted to see it. And here, here in New uh-huh. York, uh, if it's a big movie like this, you got to go research seating. So uh, right. that was that that was available to me. So uh, I, I don't regret seeing it in 3D though, because I think a lot of the stuff looked really good in 3D. Like I think, I think the mm-hmm. 3D really worked in this movie. I think for me, I saw it in IMAX 3D as well, but I didn't get to see it in IMAX Laser 3. Which no, I didn't. For my money, is still still the best. 3D yeah, I didn't see it in the Laser 3D either. There. Yeah, because I don't even think it. I think it's only open in like four four cities. Yeah, Laser 3D only exists in four cities, and that's what the uh, Chinese and I think I don't or the other three. But the Laser 3D IMAX 3D is better than regular 3D because it's brighter takes away that whole mm-hmm. shading effect and uh so i didn't get to see it that way so maybe next time i see it i'll have to see it that way Let's see if i can really say if the 3d is really is really good or not yeah uh, but i still think it looked pretty yeah, good yeah i think for converted. i think it also looked pretty good for post-converted there there were a lot of scenes that that kind of lent themselves to the 3d effect you know like the uh a lot of the stuff, like when he was shrinking and and stuff with all of the like running through the ant colonies and stuff when he was training and all of that, yeah. 
or even when they're running through the uh, the mainframes and the the mainframe yeah like, looks like a city yeah that was cool <laughs> I was like one so I'm like thinking, well, I remember seeing those bits in the trailer I thought those were buildings in the background I was like no those are all like uh, computer chips and stuff. yeah that was cool and the the scene when he first shrinks down in the bathtub and how everything's giant in the bathtub mm-hmm. and the water comes down I thought that that all looked cool too in 3D so. I I would I, I'm always hesitant to to recommend seeing a post a post converted um, film in 3D because you know by now most of you know what to expect yeah. with those but mm-hmm. you know if if you're trying to decide I'd say check it out in 3D if you don't mind spending on a few extra dollars and I always choose right. IMAX if I can of course mm-hmm. which looks great in IMAX because it's full screen IMAX so yeah. Yep. Um, although the, the the IMAX that I went to, I, I went in Times Square, and it they didn't have that. I don't know if all IMAXs have the. I don't know what the status of the whole Dolby Atmos uh, thing is. If uh, mm-hmm. IMAX theaters have, do IMAX theaters have those now? Um, yeah, the, I didn't think so. Uh, Dolby Cinema, Dolby Atmos is their own thing, so it's completely separate. But I. I think Dolby Cinema uses the same tech as the laser uh, projection, mm. but they have yet to show something in 3D, so I don't know what the holdup is. So they've already had three major films in there, but they haven't shown anything in 3D yet, so I'm wondering if they're ever going to show something in 3D. There's a couple theaters here in the city that use the Dolby Atmos uh, technology, and mm. it, like for me, I would rather see it with that than a screen yeah. that's a little bit bigger because that sound is so good. I mean, like it's crazy. I mean, it really, to me, it's more immersive mm-hmm. than 3d because right, I, with 3d. Yeah. I saw, uh, yeah, I saw Terminator Genesis and Dolby Atmos and that actually made the movie better than it yeah, was. <laughs> same here. So did I. And it was, it was awesome. Like the, just the, how like with, with, with stereo, and surround sound, you can hear things coming from behind you and stuff like that. But with this, everything is so amplified. Like the 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 sound is so mm-hmm. precise that it, I mean, like yeah. you, it really it's so much uh, more immersive than 3D. Because with 3D, you after at least for me, after like 10 minutes or so, I kind of don't really see the effect anymore because I'm just kind of in the movie mm-hmm. by that point. And I don't really pay yep. attention. Like, oh, that's sticking out of me, you know. But with uh, when the, well, the sound uh, is that the good. Dolby Cinemas, Oof. yeah, but the Dolby Cinemas. I don't know if you have any Dolby Cinemas out there yet, but um, but the uh, Dolby Cinemas actually have transducers in their seats, so it's a rumble share. Yeah, basically. that's uh, yep, that's how they do it here. Yeah. There's only I think yeah. one or two theaters that I can think of that have it, but yeah, the uh, the one out here, their screen is the same size as the IMAX screen, which is on the other side of the, of the theater, so it's. So if I had my choice, I'd, I'd go Dolby Cinema. But um, I'm waiting to actually see a 3D movie in there to say if I'm going to go with Dolby Cinema or I'm going to go to the IMAX of the Chinese. Yeah. So. I saw uh, Fast and Furious and Jurassic Park, or Jurassic World, I mean, and uh, Mad Max in that theater. And every uh-huh. one of those experiences was so much better. And Terminator. Uh, because of that sound. But anyway, right. enough gushing about Theater tech, uh, Ant Man. Overall, enjoyed it. I'll still, I'll say it's probably like my maybe fourth favorite 
Marvel movie. I, I actually, I still like Guardians more. I still like Winter Soldier and definitely the first Avengers and maybe the second Avengers more than Ant-Man, but that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I'd put it right in the middle of the pack. Okay. Either standalone uh, movies, it's definitely like up there with like Guardians and the first Iron Man and and, uh, yeah, it's like it's so. like at this point, uh, there's not a whole lot that's that's surprising about these Marvel movies. You know, the the wow factor has kind of worn off. So at this mm-hmm. point, they're kind of at the mercy of of the story. Really, that they, they need a, a yeah. really strong story and characters to to push these because by this point, this is what the eleventh one or something. Yeah, tenth like, or eleventh. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe 12. Yeah. I mean by this by this point we've seen a lot of superhero stuff and yep. with with this one I felt like it was different enough to be entertaining and fun and and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, the wow factor wasn't off the charts for me and none of the big action set pieces like blew me away necessarily, but it was still really fun rock right. ride and I definitely recommend seeing it for sure. Yeah, I think it did pretty well. I think it's like 58 million opening. Yeah, I'm... can't complain for for an origin film for a character that no no one really knows. So yeah, yeah, well, that's that's definitely good. And, and I... uh, interesting, interestingly enough, um, at my screening they showed the uh, trailer for Force Awakens and crowd went nuts, applause at the end. Yeah, same here actually. And, and then the, the last trailer they showed was the the first the shortened theatrical trailer for uh, Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, crickets. With uh, in my screen, in my <laughs> screening, it was the they showed the newer one, the longer one. But yeah. oh, really? Hmm. But yeah, I definitely noticed it was either sped up or just like shortened scenes. But I was like surprised the reaction was that, that negligible. I'm like nobody did anything. <laughs> like, I, I think wow. people. Do you say Marvel hard? I, I think I'm in the same boat as a lot of people when I say that. We're kind of nervous about that movie. Uh, it's there's a lot of red flags being thrown up with that movie. Mm-hmm. It could be great. I hope it's great. You know, I Batman is still my favorite comic book character. I love Batman. Yeah, I mean, I got the same feel I got after seeing that last Man of Steel trailer, and then I saw the movie. <laughs> so now I'm thinking it's going to be the same thing. But I really like what's going on with Batman. But. Uh, <laughs> I'm just worried that they're gonna make. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want them to make yeah. Batman an idiot. Like that's my big thing. Don't make Batman an idiot. Don't make him be easily manipulated by Lex Luthor or anybody else. Just, you know, he's the world's greatest detective. Make him that. Don't make him stupid. I feel like that was the one, the one nagging problem I had with the Nolan trilogy was that I felt like he wasn't nearly as clever as he should have been. Wasn't the uh, wasn't being the world's greatest detective? No, I didn't think so. I didn't think so at all. Hmm. I, I don't think they ever hmm. did it right with in regards to that with with the live action movies. I think with the the uh, mm-hmm. animated films, they they get those right with it. But yeah. But anyway. Yeah, like I said, the uh, uh, I guess you could say DC was given notice, like, hey, look, these Marvel crank out like a space hopper with characters no one's ever heard of, and just crank out a guy who can shrink down to an inch and fight bigger yeah. guys and then they turn out to be quality films what do we got to show nothing yet 
Well, and uh, we'll see. I, I, I oh. think that I'm actually a little bit more excited about the Suicide Squad than I am Batman v Superman at this point. Because mm. I, I think it's going to be harder to, to screw up Suicide Squad because the the stakes are a lot lower with that movie. And the the characters, other than the Joker, you know, are fairly low-level characters. And I think right. that it's just... Uh, I don't know. I'm just really excited about the Suicide Squad. Yeah, my my concern is that they spend too much time getting origin stories to every single, uh, every single character, and the whole mission ends up being the yeah, last act. I hope that they don't do that. I don't think they will, just because there's so many of those characters. There's a lot of characters that are brand new to yeah. the movie universe, so I don't mm. know if they'll spend a whole lot of time. But there, there, there was something I picked up in the, the Superman trailer was that. Uh, Bruce tells uh, Alfred that for the last twenty years it's been nothing but good guys. So, like, so that means over the last twenty years, Batman put all of those villains away. Yeah. So um, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I can get that. But uh, who are these people? Well, hopefully, hopefully it'll turn out good. Uh, with David Ayer, he's kind of a hit or miss director for me. I really liked. Um, I liked End of Watch for the most part. Uh, I really hated mm-hmm. Sabotage. That was like one of my most hated movies yeah. of the year last year. And yeah. I liked Fury. I thought that was okay. I think mm-hmm. that he's an interesting choice for, for that film. I think he's a good choice for that film, looking at his his other movies that he's done. But I don't know. I just I don't, I don't want him to go too nuts with it. You know, I don't, I don't want them to to deviate from the comic book universe too much either. You know, don't, don't make it that. I mean, it doesn't look like he really can, especially when you have like uh, Killer Croc in there and stuff. So it looks uh-huh. like there's going to be at least a little bit of a comic book vibe to it. Probably. But we'll see. Uh, anything else regarding Ant Man? Now you gave it an eight out of ten right. on the site. Yep. Any final thoughts? Um, pretty much now, I I don't think there's anything Marvel can screw up. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm really. I excited. mean, we we already know who's playing the character, with the exception of uh, Captain Marvel. We already know who's going to be playing the next major uh, uh, heroes being introduced, and I I anticipate those of them like being just as good as these last few. Um, yeah, I I think that so, uh, that Doctor Strange is going to be really interesting. I'm glad that they're working on a Doctor Strange movie. The Inhumans, uh, I I never really knew too much about them from the comics, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. They could, There's a lot of places they can go with the Inhumans, but I mean, that's a whole team. That's the, that's the only one that really is like, a concern for me because um, I've kind of... Avenged, uh, Avengers, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've kind of like lost a lot of interest in. So I kind of stopped watching mid-season, and then when they started introducing Inhumans, I'm like, wait, Inhumans, aren't those supposed to be like not coming out until like 2020? Or yeah, they're like getting, that? I think... So, so are, I'm like, are they going to be carrying on this storyline for the next five years until the movie comes out? Well, with at least in the comic books, the Inhumans are like an entire race. They're like an entire civilization of people, basically. So I'm hoping that what they're doing is they're introducing the backstory and how the whole Inhumans thing works, and who is an Inhuman and all that, in the show, just so they don't have to do it again in the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, 
runs the risk of losing an audience because they're not going to know who anybody Yeah, no, I thought about that too. And I'm sure that they're going to at least have to recap it at the beginning, but I don't know. We'll 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 see how yeah. that one goes. I all the characters in the Inhumans are not particularly interesting to me, although Captain Marvel is an Inhuman, so I'm sure that that's going to tie uh-huh. in somehow. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see about that one. That's that's the only one that I'm a little iffy on too. But you know, with the announcement that Elektra and Punisher are going to be in the new season of Daredevil, that's awesome. Right. Can't wait for that. Uh, and, uh, Waiting for them to announce when Jessica Jones. Yeah, is well, yeah. What's up with that? Like they're already talking about Daredevil season two, but they have the whole Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones. Like where are they at? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Jessica Jones has already started filming, and I've been seeing set photos. So uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully those will be coming out soon. I'm I'm especially excited about the Iron Fist one, and uh, uh-huh. but I mean more so with Punisher because I love Punisher so. All right. Well, uh, so, okay. So you gave Ant-Man an eight out of ten. I'm gonna give it a. I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven out of ten. I thought that it was a lot of fun. Didn't blow me away, but it was still incredibly entertaining. Had a really good time with it, and uh, another success story for Marvel. Now we're yep. um, no small feat. Now you mentioned that you, that you took a look at the uh, the box office numbers. Is this uh, how's this how's this doing? this year it did 58 which would put it at the low end of the spectrum of uh opening weekends for the mcu but uh it's still in the same rel- it's only like five million off of the ballpark for what uh, the first cat did and the first door did and did just a little more than the incredible hulk so. yeah hopefully some more to mouth will will get that get that boosted up by the second weekend and hopefully it'll it'll do do well this summer yeah, hopefully it doesn't do something because the next has got to go up against Mission Impossible. So. Yeah, well, it should do okay next. Uh, no, wait, next no. weekend is Pixels. Mission Impossible. The end of the month. Next week is vacation. I think. No, I think. I don't think that I have much of a next. Day. This coming weekend is Pixels and Southpaw, and oh. then and okay. then the following weekend is uh, vacation. I think. And Mission and Impossible. Mission Impossible. Yeah. I think we'll have some time to get some something going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Ernie, for taking some time to uh, nerd out with me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about. Well, let's talk about the Wolfpack first. All right. Wolfpack it. Uh, so this is directed by Crystal Moselle. I have a synopsis here. Uh, hold on. I got to pull up the synopsis. I'm terribly unprepared. Locked away from society in an apartment on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, the Angelo brothers learn about the outside world through the films that they watch. Nicknamed the Wolfpack, the brothers spend their childhood reenacting their favorite films using elaborate homemade props and costumes. Their, their world is shaken up when one of the brothers escapes and everything changes. Now, I saw this uh, at Tribeca this year. Loved it. Wrote a, wrote a review, talked about it a lot since then. And then I noticed that you saw it, Kevin, here, and I'm looking on your letterbox. What? And you're giving it you're giving it a two and a half. Correct. So let's let's get into that. What what is your reasoning behind the two and a half on the Wolfpack? Well, I don't know what the hell the Wolfpack is. Like I don't understand the point of the Wolfpack. I don't know what they were going for here. Uh, you you know my understanding going into it, which you know this is kind of my fault, but I thought it was all about them being obsessed with movies, 
and reenacting movies and the props and everything. But they only really discussed that for like a total of like 10, 15 minutes maybe. Then everything has all this domestic drama stuff going on. But they don't really even get into that at all. They don't really delve into anything in this movie. And then towards the end of it, they just like fast forward through a shit ton of stuff. And then they're at an orchard and it's over. Well, I think that I think that that criticism is valid. I think that a lot of the other reviews that I read said that there were things that were either implied or started skimming the surface of this movie that were never really expanded upon. And I, I think that that is a valid criticism. But it, first of all, it didn't that didn't really bother me at all because I was thinking about the the way in which this woman was allowed into into their home and allowed to make this movie about them. And I, and I imagine that she was trying to be very careful of what she ha- had in the documentary and what she was kind of implying with the documentary, because there's, there's some clear uh, abuse going on in this family. Oh yeah. And they don't outright say it. Uh, at least I don't think they do. No. But it's heavily implied. But that, but that didn't that didn't really bother me. I found I found the the film just to be kind of a fascinating well, portrait yeah, I, of and, these brothers. Well, I think that's I think this movie definitely gets by on the subject matter. But as an actual documentary, I don't think it's. I wish someone else made this because it's, it's beyond fascinating. And honestly, I wish it was a lot longer. Because there's just so much going on here. Right. And I think that that would have helped a lot. Because it seems like she just kept jumping around. Like we're talking about their obsession with movies and everything. That's where we start out. And the next thing you know, it's about, you know, the oldest one, how he left the building and got arrested and everything. And then we're talking about that for a little bit. And then we jump to something else. And then we're jumping to the father and their childhood and their upbringing and then all of a sudden, one of them moves out and gets an apartment, apparently. But we don't discuss that at all, even though I thought that that's like, I think that's a pretty huge step. Well, what? But what, we're just like, hey, they're moving an Ikea couch. All right, move on to something else. And it's like, holy shit, wait, one of them moved out and has his own apartment? What the fuck is going on? And then next thing you know, we're just at an orchard. Well, there's there's some other things that happened before that. But it was kind of, it jumped back and forth, right? It was... It was footage of their, them kind of describing their childhood and their upbringing and their background. And it was mixed in with stuff that's happening to them currently. Which, the footage that they have from their upbringing is better than anything I've seen on any of the VHS movies. <laughs> it was more terrifying than anything in the VHS movies. Yeah. I was, it was beyond... Uh, unsettling. Yeah, yeah. My goodness. So maybe we should talk a little bit more for people that aren't too familiar with this movie and what it's what it's about. So basically, like it says, and just to expand on the synopsis a little bit, these kids grew up in a very small apartment in New York their entire lives, and they're like, I don't know, I don't remember how old the oldest one is, but they they range from. Uh, probably like what f- 16 to 20 somewhere around there somewhere around there i'm terrible with ages yeah 
And, Somewhere around there. And uh, they've just lived in this tiny, and they, they're never allowed to leave the apartment. Well, they well they got out sometimes. It was, you know, they talked was about say, a little bit where they're like, you know, what I think they said the one year was the most they got out was like eight eight times. And then yeah. there's other years where they get out zero. Yeah, some years they weren't even allowed outside at all. Uh, they their their parents were uh, Harry Krishnas, right? And yeah. they, I believe, their reasoning was that they were afraid of the city. They were afraid of the violence and the crime, and they Which were had, they were trying to protect their kids. And that, oh man, I was so confused by that because he's from South America and she's from the Midwest. Yeah. So why the hell did you move to New York in the first place? Yep. Except there, that later on the father's like, oh, it was to make some money. But his whole thing was to get back at the government. He doesn't work. So what the hell was his plan? Well, he's a deadbeat. Like, let's be honest. That guy's, yeah. that guy's a complete nut job deadbeat. But it's so it was so interesting to me uh, at how well adjusted these kids were for having no socialization whatsoever. Like, they did not interact with other human beings you know and you can tell it, it was interesting because they knew that they were kind of maladjusted they knew that they they didn't have the social skills that they that they sort of need to make it in the world yeah and they were so self-aware of this but they at the same time they're also they also seemed very intelligent a lot of them a lot of the the older brothers that that they interview throughout the film uh, seem very articulate, and that that kind of surprised me. And the level of creativity that they put into their movie reenactments mm-hmm. and <laughs> detail, guy, creativity and detail. Just, the kid that just does the scripts. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They watch movies and they pause them and write down. They write down all of the dialogue word for word and essentially recreate entire movie scripts and then reenact them. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And the and, entire, again, the, uh, the Halloween sequence. That was, was yeah, that was, that was creepy. <laughs> that was very bizarre. That was creepy as shit. And it seemed very unsafe too. Extremely unsafe. You they should were, not be burning anything inside of yeah, apartments. They're lighting a rather large fire, open yeah. fire in, in their apartment. It's just embers all over the floor. Yeah. In costume, dancing around. My oh my. Yeah. But I, I found each of these brothers to be uh, very, very fascinating on their own. And the story of, of how they eventually escaped from this apartment. And then, like, the, the one did it, like you said. He went out. He got arrested because he wore a Michael Myers mask. And he was just kind of exploring the city with a Michael Myers mask on. And they arrested him. Uh, now he he said that he wore the mask because he didn't want his dad to recognize him. But I have a feeling if his dad saw that, he would know right away. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> uh, so after that happens, it kind of plants the seed, and and all of a sudden, all of them want to get out and roam around. And I like the scene when they first went to the movie, uh, which which was right in my neighborhood actually, and they. Went to the beach. I, I liked that. I, I just love the idea of how the one was so excited, and you know, and he's like, "I play, or he, I play him, or he plays me, or whatever he says yeah. when they come out." Because what did they watch? They was uh, uh 
Was it a Tarantino? No, it was David no, no. Russell. It was um, American Hustle. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. I just love how I loved his his analysis <laughs> with the tickets. You know how he bought the ticket, and that money is going to directly to the director and all that stuff. How <laughs> that's the thing he's most excited about. Yeah, that was wow. that was just like such a such a big deal. And I, and I, f- I find that to be fascinating. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's like one of those movies where somebody wakes up from a coma and it's 30 years later or something, you know, or, or somebody's, I don't know. It's like, it's like opposite world. Yeah. Everyone's it's excited it, about giving money to David or Russell. That, yeah, that's, that's the most interesting thing. It's like all of these things that we take for granted every day that, and it's the small things too. It's these, just these little minute details of life that are seemingly meaningless to us that they that they experience they're just like what (laughs) i know but it's still i still found it weird because they still get it would made it makes more sense to me if they never got to get out yeah but but they did but from what they were saying they they went to like the park that's out outside their building like it seemed it seemed like the the amount the frequency and the length of time that they were allowed to go out is so minimal that it was pretty much in, inconsequential when you look at the grand scheme of things. Some things just didn't add up. Like when the one kid's talking about words that he didn't know about. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. went through the whole thing of like, and then he said the N-word, which is like, no, sorry. You watch a shitload of Tarantino. You've heard the N-word before. Don't try and play that on me. Yeah. He just likes using the N-word. I'm not so sure about that. Some things didn't add up for me. Yeah, like I like I said, I I see those criticisms, but it wasn't enough for me to. I I, I was still completely fascinated by the whole experience. I have. I don't know. It's one of those things that I wish it was a lot longer. Because I feel I, like I eighty use... minutes is just it's not enough. There's just there's entirely too much going on here. Well, one one thing that. I wanted a little bit more explanation on was the the girl, the friend that he that he makes that comes in and he has her in the movie that he makes and all that yeah. all of that stuff. Well, that not only that, the sister. Well, the sister, I think maybe they didn't want her involved because she was mentally ill, perhaps. But yeah, it would have been nice. I think that maybe that was one of those situations where. The director was kind of uh, just trying to. I think. I think maybe that this is one of these movies where the filmmakers a little bit too close to their subjects. I think that this could be an example of that, where she was. She basically became friends with these with this family, yeah. and I think that maybe she held back on certain aspects uh, in order to protect them. Well, and I think also too, some things came up. Because of the film, like it's probably, I'm more than likely. Well, my guess is it was her idea to take them to a movie. I'm like, oh, we have to get this for the documentary. Well, from what I understand, and uh, I, I don't know this uh, for sure, but I'm pretty sure that that movie scene was uh, a reenactment. I mean, it was real, but it wasn't the actual first time that they went. Gotcha. I think that there are some parts of this that were are kind of reenactments. Gotcha. So, yeah, that's that is one thing to consider too. I I found that out after 
I wrote my review and stuff, but it, it, it still didn't really affect. Um, yeah, I mean, documentary. How I felt about documentary's it. Documentary's been doing it right since the beginning of time. I mean, yeah. New of the North was a reenactment, so right. And it doesn't Not that big of a deal. It, it, like it's a reenactment, but at the same time, it's kind of not because the experience it, it is real what we're seeing you know it's not acting or anything but it's just skewed a little bit uh yeah i still recommend going to see the wolf pack i originally gave it a i think a nine Woo! it's yeah it's Woo! it's really up there for me it, it had a it had a pretty big impact on me when i saw it so i, I mean i still i recommend it because it's Utterly fascinating. Just as a documentary, and no, no, leaves a lot to be desired. Well, I can respect that. I'm, I'm tough on my documentaries. I don't know why. I know you are. I don't know why. See, I'm, <laughs> see, I'm uh, if it if it's a a really good story, I'm much easier on them as far as technique and aesthetic and stuff like that. And you'll you'll. We'll circle back to that later on when we do our watch list. Uh oh. Let's go ahead. Did you, did and you give... watch that General So's documentary? <laughs> no. I think that's on Netflix, by the way. I think it is, yeah. But I, I might watch it. I don't know. We'll see how bored I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are you gonna give the Wolf Pack? Uh, I'm gonna give the Wolf Pack a five. Five. Just middle of the road. Just middle of the road. That's a shame. Subject matter. Ten. Execution. Now, have you have you seen any of the reenactments that they've done that they release online, like the uh, the Wes Anderson ones? And I I think I'm, I maybe saw. Didn't they do one as like a thank you when they won an award at a film festival or something? I th- I yeah, they've the... done a they've done a few. They've done quite a number of them actually. Now by now, because I think I saw that one. Okay. You should check out some of the other ones that they did because they're they're good. They're really funny and those guys are really clever. I mean, the they are. I like the the prop the prop gun that they had that was basically made out of paper and tape and how it had the uh, the clip that you could reload and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's kind of ingenious. I mean, their Batman costume was fantastic. Oh, they're bat. Yeah, yoga mats and cardboard, and it looked that good. I mean, it was like so detailed. It is fantastic. The layers of armor? Oh, it's great. So, Wolfpack, check it out. Let's move on. Talk about Alleluia. So, this is directed, written and directed by Fabrice Duwells. Uh, I think this is an adaptation of something, right? Uh, yeah, book, the, the honey, uh, Honeymoon Killers, based on... Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that explains a lot, then. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I was Loose, watching yeah, it loosely based or whatever. I well, I was watching it and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is just like." But anyway, I have a uh, synopsis here. Michelle, a murderous womanizer, meets introverted Gloria online and treats her to a whirlwind one-night stand, offering herself as an accomplished accomplice in his seductive crimes. The unhinged lovers embark on a deadly odyssey, amplified by wild sex. Un- bridled jealousy and passionate forays into the dark arts this smart and glory shocker breathes new life into the lovesick horror genre to serve up a chilling tale of white hot desperation and terrifying devotion 
uh, I will start this one off by saying I I was not into this movie. All right. Complete agreement right here. <laughs> so we go from polar opposites <laughs> to being on the same page. I at, at, at I mean, it starts off with, with quite a bang. That, that opening scene before the title even comes up where she's wiping down the dead body. I was like, oh boy, this is this is going to be an intense movie. But it if you know how I feel, like my pet peeves in movies, the things I don't like in movies, when you see this movie, you'll understand there, there are just some things that I don't like. I don't like it when people act ridiculous and uncharacteristic of, of human beings. And I believe that that's how this Gloria character acts in this movie she is ridiculous it may, yeah and, <laughs> and it, it, it is completely unbelievable in every sense and i from the moment that that whatever switch goes off in her brain i was i just completely tuned out i was like this is not i'm just not buying this at all and i thought that they were gonna do some kind of elaborate you know gone girl-esque thing where she's kind of setting him up or something yeah but they didn't they didn't really go there yeah. with it i mean you could probably you, you might be able to draw some kind of conclusion from the ending but uh just you know it is very violent um that's one positive that i will say about it i know that that makes me sound horrible and morbid but the the gore looked really really real it was kind of tough to watch uh, it the, was that, extremely disturbing. That axe, axe murder. It's yeah, just entire, entirely too realistic. Um, again, that this was, is a topic that we're going to circle back to on my watch list. But it uh, that was one thing that really impressed me. And I think that more movies need to have realistic violence like this. Because when they do it in a uh, realistic manner, it affects you. It's, and it's, it's not... It's not just something where you're just like, oh, that's kind of gross or whatever. It it kind of rattles you when you see something like that. And in this movie, and the just the uh, the kind of extended scene where she's sawing the foot off, <laughs> it looks so real. I was like, oh my god, it it looks like she's really sawing that foot off. Yeah, it's disturbing. When but when the, it gets violent, it's fucking disturbing. Yeah. Oh boy. Overall, though, I didn't like either of the characters. I didn't find either of them compelling. I didn't care to watch them. I didn't. I didn't. Well, number one, they weren't I'm, very charismatic. I'm completely on board with you regarding Gloria's character. She just didn't. She didn't make any sense whatsoever. I didn't understand any of her motivations, any of the decisions that she makes. I don't. I don't understand any of it. And. Maybe even more with the Michelle character, I don't understand him either and the decisions that he makes because he doesn't seem like he wants to be with Gloria. No. So why is he doing any of this? And every time she does something, he clearly doesn't want her to do it, but he's like powerless to stop her. And it's like, dude, just say, no, don't, don't do that. Don't kill that person. Just leave. But they add this kind of surreal mysticism to it as well. Which makes no sense. Almost as if we're supposed to believe that the reason that Gloria is acting this way is because she's under some sort of spell. 
because at the beginning of the film, before Michelle and Gloria meet, he they show him doing some sort of ritual yeah. with her picture. And I don't know if maybe that is something that we're supposed to believe where, you know, she, he literally does put a spell on her where she's kind of obsessed with him. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't either. He doesn't do that with anybody else. Any of the other women. Well, and I don't understand. The synopsis says that he's a murderous womanizer. But well, he's he's not. He like he doesn't murder anyone. No, no, he's not. Until the you know comes a point when it does happen. But he is a womanizer. But he's he's just kind of like uh, he's he's just a harmless uh, hustler. Yeah, he, he hustles women for their money. Yeah, he's just doing the hustle. There's there's no murder involved. There's no physical harm. She's the one that brings that to the table. Oh, and she brings it. Oh, and she brings it hard, yeah. Oh. And a lot of the times, I didn't quite understand their marks. You know, like the women that they were going after, because half the time it seemed like they got nothing from them. Well, it was because Gloria always jumped the gun. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, well, that was pointless. You got nothing well, by doing well, that. Well, that was kind of... You know, I don't know if that was unintentional or intentional, but it's kind of a comedy that way because, like, they have this elaborate plan of how to hustle people, hustle these women out of the money, and it never gets past, like, the first step, which is because Gloria just can't take him having sex, which makes you think, like, okay, it doesn't, this is not working. Come up with another plan because the one that you guys are trying to use is not working. Because she gets insanely jealous. Yeah. So let's try Literally something else. insanely jealous. Like, maybe just kill people and take their money. Just be straightforward just, about it. Just just rob convenience stores. You'll, you'll be better off just robbing places. Just break into their house and be like, I'm going to kill you. If you don't give me all your money, you get all their money, and then you kill them. I, I don't... Their plan is terrible, and it's not working ever. Yeah. Uh, one other positive I'll say about this movie, I like. I generally like the cinematography and the look. I thought it looked pretty good. The lighting was fantastic, especially yeah. what was the. I think it was the second one, the second murder. Mm-hmm. The way it was kind of, it was just all lit with that knocked over lamp. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. That was uh, that was something. There's a lot of. Okay, now let me just be completely honest with this movie. It's a fucking mess, and there's a singing bit. Which, mm. what the hell was that? What did you think of the singing pit? What the? F- uh, I don't know. There were there were several there were several sequences in this movie that I thought were completely unnecessary. That weird, uh, surreal dancing. That was hilarious. Ritual thing. It reminded me of. Uh, sort of reminded me of Natural Born Killers. Actually, I don't know. Was that supposed to be funny? Because I thought I it was th- hilarious. I don't think it was supposed to be funny. It was, but it was terrible. He's doing all sorts of things. He's like licking people's faces. <laughs> that old woman who keeps licking her face. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that weird. Happened. That was something. There's that same bit again, which that's when it just completely lost me. Like it had me by like a thread because it looked good and the sound design is pretty fantastic as well. But mm, she starts singing for no reason, and I just, I just sat there with my hands in the air. Like, what, what the fuck is happening? And then he's doing, like, his... All of a sudden, he's obsessed with Bogart, and he's doing all the Bogart faces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, um, now, I might have missed this, but in the film, Gloria has a daughter, a young daughter. Uh -huh. What happened to no, her? No, she just, she just dropped her. Whatever, whatever. Because <laughs> the next scene, they're on the run together, doing their little... Yeah, she... Yeah. And it's like, what, what did she just leave the daughter? Yeah. She just left home and left the daughter there alone? Because she has important things to do. That's why she like dropped her off with her friend or whatever. And I also thought it was really inappropriate the first night that he was there and spent the night. And the, the way that they were acting around her daughter. Yeah. And like making out and being like, hey, let's, let's go in the bedroom for five minutes and all this stuff. It's like, your daughter's right there. Yeah. She hears and sees everything you're doing. Terrible mother. <laughs> Terrible mother. An efficient, and an efficient killer. Terrible mother. Yeah, I would say she is an efficient killer, yes. Much better than the, uh, the guy is. Well, yeah. He had some trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. He had some trouble. That's all I really have to this say about This movie makes no fucking sense. And it's just a mess. It's just an absolute mess. There's but it's a wholly obsessive terror. I guess. I mean, there's... There's positives, but overall, no. It's just not, yeah, it's, it's not if happening. You call, if you want to call it a horror movie, it's not the worst horror movie I've seen this year by far. If you want to call it a thriller, again, probably not the worst thriller I've seen this year. It's it's. I didn't enjoy it. I was glad when it was over. Oh, same here, yeah. Yeah, it was really losing me. By the end, I was just like... It, it was almost yeah. as it was making a point to lose me. I, I did like the, the the climax though, the final confrontation. You already you already you know, touched on it with the axe and just that whole that whole uh sequence. I, I liked all of that stuff. But still yeah. It, it, it was a lot more energetic than I know, but that was terrifying. That was yeah. messed up. I mean the effects work on that, they're top notch. Yeah, yeah. That they looked like they killed someone with an axe. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, let's see. Let's, let's it, give this like one. Like, the thing that... Because he just wanted to sleep with the woman, and he ends up drugging Gloria. And it's like, if you're at that point, just, like, drug her, drug her, and poison her. And just yeah, get... Because it get just seems like the only, thing, the only thing this guy wants to do is just sleep with people. Like, he has yeah. no intentions of... He just wants to sleep with women, make a little bit of money doing it. You know, just live his life laid back. Yeah. Also, it seemed like he was having a pretty genuinely good time with that woman. Mm -hmm. Like it seemed, it seemed like he actually liked her and wasn't just faking it. Like he seemed like to, like he was getting along with the daughter and that they were having a really good time. Well, plus their whole their whole plan of them being brother and sister just that was not believable for a second. It's like why no. why is that part of your plan? It's not working. What do you? I don't. I just don't understand it. They're just terrible. They're really terrible. Weird what they're doing. When she finally, when she snapped or started the snap there towards the end, and they, there was a scene where she's kind of, they're playing Twister, and there's this thing that she's imagining that she's seeing, and uh, that was. Uh, I, I didn't think that that was necessary either. Like we already knew she was unbalanced. We don't have to see some kind of weird. Yeah. It was like a jerk off type blowjob scene or something. It was. <laughs> Liquids, L liquids are involved. Yeah, this is this is the mess. It's yeah, mess. Un yeah. Unfortunately, this one 
This one wasn't up my alley. I was not on board with this one. And there's so. a, there's several times in this movie where it's just unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, I think it's unintentional. Hard to take some of it seriously. All right, let's go ahead and give this one a score. I will say... Should I even think about this? I'll say... Man. It's tough because I thought it looked fairly good and the effects work was quite good. So I'll, I'll say like a four. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking a four. Give it a four. I'm going to go four. Really, I mean, the cinematography was good. It was a bit much at some points in time. You know, it was a bit uh, too shaky. Too, yeah, there were a lot of... Too uh, tight. I mean, Especially on the kind of surreal, dreamlike scenes where it was just spinning around and moving everywhere. Oh, when it's following... Because, you know, it would, it would always be tight on a character's face. And it just kind of followed them around. Quick movements and stuff. And, man, that got nauseating. Yeah, yeah. There you have it. Hallelujah. In Select Cities right now. And... Actually, I don't, I don't know if it is playing in theaters. It is on VOD, but I'm not sure about if it's in theaters right now. So. Not sure. That, now, have you seen his other movies? Because he's the one that did that... Uh, oh, shit, what's it? Calvair? No, I haven't. Because I heard that that's supposed to be pretty good. I don't think I've seen that. Which I didn't know it was the same guy. Nope, I haven't seen it. I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about some we've been watching. Kevin, we'll start with you. Uh, I finally got to see uh, Timbuktu. Okay. <laughs> I th- wait a minute. I thought you already saw that. Moving on. Oh, no, I never just, mind. I just, I just want to stop it there. I finally got to see Timbuktu. Oh, okay. And then you just move <laughs> on to what you saw. Uh, uh, well, how was it? Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. Um. It's up, you know. It takes place in Timbuktu, and it's um, under Sharia law, I guess. Jihadists come in, kind of take over the town, and they gotta, you know, they implement all the rules and everything. They have to, and it's just kind of, kind of episodic where it follows a couple of people. There's sort of a main story of a guy that gets into a uh, like a cattle herder gets in confrontation with this fisherman, and everything that happens there. Um, it's really all things considered, with it being about jihadists and how terrible they are and the hypocrisy and everything, it's really a soothing, calming movie, <laughs> all things considered. Um, it's very relaxing. Very relaxing. Hmm. Even, you know, when they're showing two people being stoned for adultery, just something about the desert and the language, the language that they speak, it's so calming. Soothing, huh? Okay, interesting. But uh, there's some. Uh, it's a little bit of everything because there's uh, there's a lot of drama. There's some comedy though, and there's just a, some black humor too when it comes to the you know the rules that they're implementing and enforcing because they just don't make any sense and they're so ridiculous. And there's a guy that shows up and just he wants uh, he wants a young girl to be his wife. And just everything that takes place there is just, it's so confusing that that is happening. That in 2015, that that's something that still happens. Yeah, it's crazy. But, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's good. It's serviceable. I wasn't blown away or anything. It's, I mean, there's not, like, unbelievable cinematography. 
The acting's fine. It's a decent movie. Okay. And Timbuk too. Is that how's that available? Uh I got that D V D. Okay. Okay. So that's it's probably available on other streaming services as well. You can get it on iTunes. Uh, for three ninety nine, looks like to rent. Ooh. Uh, I'll start with the the circling back to the documentary right. thing. There we go. I saw two documentaries this week. I'm, I'm going to do them both together because they're they're both similar in a way. Uh, the first was Lost Soul: The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh my goodness! Both of them have ridiculously long titles. So this is uh, a film about, well, I mean, the title kind of describes the entire thing. The, the Dr. Moreau movie from the 90s, the one with Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando. Remember that mm-hmm, one? Mm-hmm. Where, he had, where he was like, oh, Brando was painted in that white makeup and it was just really weird. And there were all these weird animal humanoid creatures and stuff. Well, Richard Stanley... The director, Richard Stanley, was he was originally going to be doing that movie and then he got fired. And this kind of talks about the movie that he would have made if he was left on the project. And it also is sort of a behind the scenes telling of this nightmare of a film shoot and how crazy Marlon Brando was and what a dickhead Val Kilmer was. And it's just a... It's a crazy, crazy story. And I like these behind-the-scenes documentaries about how movies got made and the weird things that happened and all of the crazy drama behind them. Yeah. And this is kind of a perfect example <clears throat> of that. It's it's insane. And <clears throat> I highly recommend uh, checking it out. The, the reason that I mentioned it when you were talking about it, just, the wolf pack not being an exceptionally well-made documentary this movie's not exceptionally well made it, it looks old even though it's new <laughs> it just kind of has that that uh remember when dvds f- were first coming out and the the ability to put bonus features onto a dvd was a new thing so they started making these kind of cheapo looking behind the scenes bonus features and stuff that's what this kind of feels like yeah but it's still it's still quite an interesting watch and i do i do recommend it just don't expect a high level of you know visuals and things like that uh the other one did did anyone check like is this actually like a dvd extra of the island of dr (laughs) oh no no i don't think that they would ever do that because they (laughs) they say a lot of bad stuff about the the film, the people in the film, the the making of just a lot of a lot of bad stuff, a lot of negativity around that movie. Hmm. Um, but it is it's quite interesting. The other one I saw was the death of Superman lives. What happened? And this is a, a documentary about the creation of Tim Burton's Superman movie with Nicolas Cage and why it never got made and it's it's directed by john schnepp the guy who did metalocalypse oh okay so (laughs) yeah because of that he's in it a lot like he he's one of these 
it's one of those documentaries where he kind of inserts himself in it. Yeah. A little bit, maybe a little bit too much. Uh, the quality of this movie is pretty bad too. In fact, it looks like a TV show. When you when you first when it first starts, uh, John Schnepp is on this like stage and there's these monitors behind him and it it looks like a TV show. It's not very good. <laughs> but again, this this film is very interesting because they they got so far along in making this movie. I mean, they were days away from shooting. They had they had the thing storyboarded, they had the script finalized, they had the cast. Everything was ready to go. And then you know, the plug got pulled. So this is just uh, about you know, why they why the Warner Brothers pulled the plug and you know, what what happened and it's interesting to see how ideas from this movie ended up in in Superman Returns, which was the one that they did actually make, the one with Brandon Ralph, and then also Wild Wild West, of all things. Really? Uh, yeah, that movie <laughs> Wild Wild West. There were ideas from this that were put into that. And I, I also didn't know, I mean, I didn't know a lot about the whole Superman Lives thing and i didn't know that kevin smith wrote a draft they hired kevin smith to write a draft of the script and so he's in the movie and he talks a lot about what his version was like and there's interviews with tim burton and he talks about what it was going to be like and stuff and there's tons and tons of concept art and footage Uh, there's a lot of footage of Nicolas cage in the superman suit and they talked about how the suit was going to work and all this stuff. And it, so it's, it's pretty interesting. I, huh. I recommend it even though, again, not very high quality. Hmm. And this one is available. You can buy this now and it is, uh, I think it's just available on the website. So I would just, if you're looking for it, just type in the death of Superman lives and you'll, you'll be able to find the site for that. Yeah. But yeah, it's worth a watch. Yeah, uh, I watched one on uh, the, the, their uh, Netflix Instant, which is uh, When the Evening Falls on Bucharest or Metabolism. This is from the director of uh, Police Adjective, and uh, pretty simple film, you know, 89 minutes, and it's just one of those films about making a film. The director mm-hmm. who ends up faking an ulcer, he's got like two weeks left on the movie that he's shooting, fakes an ulcer, buy him some time because he's getting in a romance with the the lead actress of the film and he's kind of he wants to prolong it a little bit and they just they discuss numerous things they discuss like shooting film and shooting digital um they discuss food and how eating utensils affect the food that you make different cultures and such um the end the end of the movie is basically just uh, footage inside someone's intestinal tract. So there's that for a while, because uh, he has to prove that he had a procedure done that you know showed that he had an ulcer. And it's just the the majority of the movie is him with the actress. They're rehearsing a scene that they're supposed to be doing, which is her showering, getting out of the shower, and then she overhears a conversation, and it affects her. So they're walking through this scene numerous times over and over again, and he's really meticulous, and it's it's all kind of shot with uh, steady or static shots. And he he's a he's a long take guy, 
and he's he's very into realism. So, you know, she will dry her hair for 10 minutes and then he's going to film 10 minutes of her just drying her hair. And then all these things and it's really interesting to watch. It's not it's one of these things that it's, it doesn't necessarily feel like a great movie. It feels like like an exercise that's just really interesting to watch. It's just like someone trying out something that, you know, just an experiment and it works. You know, I don't know if it's something that's like, yeah, Friday night I'm going to sit down and watch When Evening Falls on Bucharest or Metabolism. Can't wait. Mm. Pop me some popcorn. Yeah. Get me a Pepsi. No, you really, I mean, you really have to be a, in the right mood to watch this. But it's it's very interesting. And I do like him as a director. Very interesting work. Cool. And that's When Evening Falls on Bucharest or Metabolism. I like how I said that because it made it sound like it's all like just one one <laughs> statement. <laughs> and it's, you know, the, the scene that they're rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing, it ends up playing out in just their regular lives. So you get to see it as, you know, all that kind of thing. Parallels yeah. and whatnots. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I get you. Get that. I'm I'm not gonna bother with this one. It sounds uh, pretty Ooh. droll. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, have fun with your behind the scenes documentaries. <laughs> fucking movies I will. Movies that I, never got made. I will. I will have fun with those and enjoy them for many years to come. Fuck those movies. Again, that's available on Netflix Instant. I saw one on Netflix Instant as well. Oh, shit. And Netflix getting a lot of play. Again, I'm going to circle back to where when I was talking about the effects work in Hallelujah. Uh, this movie has incredible effects work, and that's Irreversible. Holy shit. By uh, Gaspar No. Damn. Wow. So I knew about this movie. Most, most uh, quote unquote cinephiles know about this movie from 2002 uh, for being infamously hard to watch oh yeah that rape there's a rape right it's yeah got that rape in it there's a rape in it that is i believe the longest rape scene i have ever seen in a movie ever it's i don't know how long it is but it feels like it's 25 minutes long mm. uh, i read that when they shot that scene the only thing that gaspar no said was just keep it under 20 minutes. No other direction at all. Just just keep it under 20 minutes. Uh, so that's that's kind of the interesting thing about this movie um, is that there was a three-page script. So uh, it's almost all completely improv, uh, all ad-lib. And uh, the, the film is, is presented in reverse chronological order. Okay. So it's yeah. the end is the beginning and it goes on from there. Now, when I first started watching it, I was thinking to myself, how is this going to work if you show the big climax at the beginning of the movie? And because then won't won't the uh, sort of end of the movie, which is actually, you know, the beginning of the story, won't it be a little lackluster? Won't it kind of not work because it'll be ending on a down note? You know, because it'll essentially be introducing these characters who we already know and we already know what happens to them. Uh, but it, it actually, it, it, I don't know how to describe it, but it works so well within the context of this narrative. 
it I mean it really works hmm. and because because you know what's gonna happen to these people you've already seen it happen and the fact that you are you have already witnessed what happens to them or later on in this evening it makes it more awful and by the end of the movie you're just like oh my god the world is a horrible place I want to just get in bed and never emerge from the covers. <laughs> this this is an incredibly, incredibly difficult movie to get through. Uh, just because that's just what... I, I feel like that's what Gaspar Noe does. Like, he's just... He challenges his audience to watch. And uh, it has the best opening title sequence I've ever seen, I think. Maybe one of the best I've ever seen. Uh-oh. It is awesome. Now you, it's 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 simple, but it's awesome. Now you make me want to. I'm just. I'm gonna just watch the opening credits and then just stop. Is that cool? Yeah, you. I can do that. You could. I can do that. Uh, there, there are two. There are two overly horrific scenes in this movie. One is the rape scene, which we've already discussed, which is brutal. I mean, just just brutal. Hard to watch. I I had to avert my eyes several times throughout because it was just awful just awful and there's a a murder that occurs and it is so real looking i i almost felt sick watching it it was i can't even describe it i'm not going to say what happens but if you're into violence this is a such a realistic portrayal of someone being killed uh it it really really affected me hmm and i watch a lot of gory movies uh, a lot of horror movies with people getting murdered in very very crazy creative ways and this was like oh my god i i had to look away from that too because it was so intense uh but the thing about gaspar no is that he his camera work his cinematography is always so unique it's it's like it's a the camera is a, is has a life of its own, and that's what happens. This movie's also one of these. Uh, it's a single take movie. It's it's there are no cuts in it. Of course, they're they're uh, get them, they're masked. Get the mask cuts. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's not like uh, all the cuts are very obvious. It does the same thing every time. So when when we're transitioning to an earlier point you know that it's going to happen because they do the same thing where they kind of move the camera, the camera starts floating and then you go like up in the sky and it looks up in the night sky and then comes back down. Yeah. So it also kind of lets you know, okay, now we've done, now we're jumping back in time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard movie to recommend just because of the subject matter. But at the same time, it's a very confrontational movie. Like I read that, for the first 30 minutes, which is unbelievably intense and horrific, the, the first 30 minutes, and that's before the rape, by the way, um, the first 30 minutes, he put a 28 hertz tone in the soundtrack that's inaudible to human ears, but it's known to cause vertigo and nausea. Oh, that's cool. So he kind of deliberately wanted you to feel, and of course, during this time, the camera is all over the place all over the place it's spinning everything is so close up it's moving so fast and that's the thing about this movie is that it is 
going at 100 miles an hour the entire time. The conversations are really fast. The camera is moving so fast. The people are moving fast. Like, everything is so quick in this movie. But, you know, it, it, it opens itself up for a lot of criticism. But at the same time, there's just nothing like it. I've just never seen a film like this before. So, are you, you know, if you have... You, are you, you generally a fan of uh, Gaspar now? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually not. I, I Well, I only saw Into the Void. Or Enter the Void, sorry. I haven't seen any of his other stuff. Okay. So... Because I... You, you didn't like it. Enter the Void either, right? No, no, I didn't. Because I, I didn't like hated it at all. Movie. Yeah, I, I hated it. I wanted to turn it off. I, I got through the whole thing because I was kind of... I was kind of thinking that they were going to go somewhere with it, but I... Yeah, I hated that movie. So... Uh, Irreversible, I think, is a million times better. A million. Okay. But it's still really hard to watch. It's it's probably one of the most difficult movies I've ever seen. Okay. All right. Netflix Instant, though, it's on there. Oh boy. Just don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. Don't watch it uh, on a date. Yeah, it's probably don't a good idea. Don't watch it with a parent. Just watch it alone. Just watch it alone. Just watch it alone. Okay. Don't watch it on the bus or on the subway. Yeah, Avoid that. That's probably a bad idea. Yeah. Right. Anything else? No. I'm, yeah, I'm done. Okay. Yeah. I have a couple other ones that I'd oh, like shit. To, to mention real Get quick. Get into it. Trainwreck. Saw Trainwreck yesterday. All right, how was this? Judd Apatow. You know, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Judd Apatow just isn't. I, I thought it was funny, but I wasn't laughing a lot. And I, and I realized that. I'm pretty sure I've said that about uh, a few of his other movies where I find them funny. I find them entertaining and funny, but I laughed, excuse me, I laughed like maybe half a dozen times. It's it's funnier than most comedies, I guess. It's got a good laugh ratio, I would say, but I wasn't over the moon for this movie. Yeah, that's It's pretty much the- exactly it's exactly what you would expect. Gotcha. It's Amy Schumer being Amy Schumer, and it's a romantic comedy. It goes exactly where you expect it to go. The the uh, you know the the hills and valleys are all pretty much you know by the by the book. You know, paint by numbers romantic comedy. It's much funnier than your typical romantic comedy, obviously. And there's a shitload of people in it that do cameos and stuff. We were talking on Ryan Watches a Movie last week about LeBron James being in it. Uh, he is pretty much just in it for those scenes that we see in that one trailer. Knew it. But but he is quite good. Like, he's actually a pretty decent actor, and he's really funny in it. So, uh, John Cena is really funny in it. Surprisingly funny. And you do see him naked, uh, which is a little bit a little disturbing. Did, did that ruin your day? A little, yeah. <laughs> John Cena naked. Yeah, a little, little, little disturbing. Colin Quinn plays their dad, which was kind of interesting, and he has MS in it. Who's dad? And he plays Amy Schumer's dad, oh, okay. Colin Quinn. All right. And, and, and Brie Larson plays her sister. So he was really funny. Uh, Vanessa Bear was funny. There was a lot of SNL cameos in there sprinkled in. But, again, like most Judd Apatow movies, it was very long. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there were things there were things in it that a I felt could have been completely eliminated. Like there there's a scene where the the one dude from SNL the I always forget his name because he's one of the new guys. Um, he's the really young young guy that's on SNL now. Oh, Pete. Yeah, Pete Davidson. Yeah. Is yep, yep, yep. That's that's who. There's a scene with Pete Davidson that seems completely unnecessary, and that that's just one example that I could think of. There are several others, but at the same time, there are certain scenes where it feels like there are characters or maybe side plots that we should know about that have been maybe pieces of them have been cut out earlier. Like there's a scene with Matthew Broderick, and it just seems like he's randomly in there. And it's like, wait a minute, are we? Supp- is is there some sort of relationship here that we didn't know about that they established earlier that got cut? Why is Matthew Broderick here? And I didn't know who he was, like who he was supposed to be playing in the movie. And it turned out that he was playing himself. <laughs> and I was like, why? Why is he here? What is? I, I don't understand. And I feel like that that's kind of the kind of the norm for Judd Apatow movies, really. There's just bits and pieces here and there that don't really fit. Yeah, it sounds about right. But overall, pretty enjoyable. Amy Schumer is uh, really, really popular right now. So if you watch her show and you watch her comedy and you think she's hilarious, then you'll find this movie funny. She's a little more subdued in this movie than her stand-up or the show even but it's still it goes to some kind of raunchy territory i guess and there, there are some genuinely funny moments so i'd give it a light recommend i'd give it three stars on letterboxd okay all right so uh that's pretty much all i really wanted to talk about um let me look i did see boulevard uh you can just read my review on that that's robin williams last uh last on-screen role he's in a animated film that's that's coming out uh, yeah, yeah soon but uh this is the last live action on-screen performance it's a drama it's not a comedy and he is not funny in it so it's it's uh kind of a it's kind of sad that this is the role that was his last one because he plays a very sad person in this movie and now it kind of made it difficult how do you feel about this the movie no with the actors you know when they pass away and because it seems and i could be wrong but it seems like we've had like five or six robin williams movies come out since he's passed away and every single one of them's like oh the final movie from robin williams and then like six months later there's another one and they're like the final movie from Robin. It's like how many movies did he make that they're just holding on to? I think that it's you mean as far as like well, and it's saying way, that yeah, when the they way that put they, it out yeah. I don't think that this movie uh, touted that in its marketing or anything. Uh, I, I thought that it was fairly tasteful how they how they did it. I think it's all just a matter of being respectful to to the actor to the performer you know like i thought fast and furious they were pretty respectful on their paul walker send-off in that movie yeah but yeah it's a it is kind of a weird thing you know 
when an actor passes away, either during a movie when they're shooting a movie or or after it completes shooting but it hasn't been out yet. Well, I mean the the last Hunger Games movie is not out yet, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's in that one. Uh, yeah, it's true. And they, uh, I don't know if they, I think that they did add some some digital stuff in there hmm. with him. So I, I don't know. I guess it just depends on on how how respectful they are to to the to the actor. Yeah. Like in Boulevard, I feel like they they're not cramming it down your throat that this is Robin Williams' last movie. You know? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's because the movie's not very good, and it's a low. It's, I think it's a pretty low budget movie that doesn't have a lot of marketing power behind it. Yeah, it's true. Then I think I think if they had the marketing bucks to to push it, maybe maybe they would. But this isn't the type of movie that was ever going to be designed to be a big. You know, it's about a guy in his sixties who decides to shack up with a a young male prostitute okay and and form a relationship with a young male prostitute gotcha so not your typical mainstream blockbuster material to begin with true unfortunately unfortunately it's just not very good robin williams is quite good in it but it's a pretty bland story and they the character that Robin Williams plays is is he's like a very emotionless character, and uh, I think Robin Williams is actually a good person to play in that role because a lot of his emotion is in his facial expressions, and I think that that's that was it was a good fit for Robin Williams, but it is kind of a bummer that this is his last movie. You know, it might have been more satisfying to see him go out on like a bit of a higher note. Especially because yeah, the yeah. like the last couple of movies that have come out have not been. Yeah, I don't know if any of them have good. been good. No, no, unfortunately not. But Boulevard is on VOD right now, so you can check it out if you wish. Just don't, just don't expect much. And if you want to read my thoughts in more detail, I do have a review up on the site. Let's move on and talk about some predictions. All right. Last week, Ant Man. You said 62, I said 72, actual 79. Okay, alright. I'm glad to see that that's doing well, because uh, it's it's quite good. Is it's it? Train wreck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Train wreck. You said 74, I said 86, actual 85 on train wreck. Wow. A lot of people loving the train wreck. I mean, the, the theater that I was in was erupting. People were just hooting and hollering. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and I'm sitting there... Silent and then, but then inevitably there's just a little throwaway line or a little joke, and that's the and, uh, and I'll laugh and no one else will. <laughs> uh, but uh, whatever. Next week we have Pixels. Now, what's your take on Pixels? What are you thinking about this one? Uh, hmm. It's Adam Sandler, but it's not. I don't know if it's a Happy Madison movie actually or not. I don't think it is. I don't know. It's just it's it's got Adam Sandler and Kevin James, but it seems like it's gonna be better than I mean what we it, typically get from those guys. It's a cool idea, but I don't know if it's if it's one of those ideas that's good enough to maintain a feature length film. You know, the first one it worked good as a short film because I have a feeling that you're just gonna kind of get tired of that pretty quickly. Yeah. See, the the reason that the short film worked. Is because a it was a short film. It was 
what, like five or 10 minutes long. And B, at the time, I had never seen anything like that. The way that the way that they animated it, it looked visually really, really cool. How he, they turned, you know, real world objects into three dimensional pixels and how the, the physics of that all worked. Yeah. It looked really cool. And again, a lot of it is just hinged on nostalgia, just being like, oh, that's cool. Which works for a five to ten minute short film. Mm-hmm. But to stretch that out, I, I don't think it's going to work. I think it's just, the novelty is going to wear off rather quickly. Probably like okay. probably like ten minutes into the movie. So what are you thinking on a score for this one? Thinking I'm going to say like a like a thirty-two. I'll say I think it's going to be a little bit better than that. I'll say forty-six on it. I mean, I'm hoping that it's going to be good. I'm not going to go see it until I hear about it from some people. I'm not going to bother with it unless I hear that it's actually decent. Gotcha. Paper Towns comes out next week. It's a young adult. Sounds like it. Thing. Not, I'm not too interested in this. I'll say 64 on that. Mm. I'm going to say 60. Okay. And then we also have Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal bulking up. He looks like a monster in that movie. Yeah, it kind of looks ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah. Good lord. I actually have no desire to see this movie whatsoever. I have no desire to ever see another boxing movie ever again. To well, be I'm completely actually... honest, I just you say have boxing, you, the... you say boxing movie, I just I go to sleep inside myself. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan. I like boxing movies, but they're a little... I feel like I've seen everything I need to see at this point mm-hmm. with boxing movies. You know what I mean? Uh, I will say that the, the teaser trailer for Creed kind of surprised me at, at how good that movie looks and how much I actually... That, that teaser made me want to see this movie because it's a really good teaser. Yeah. So, uh, I generally agree with you, but I will go see Creed. Southpaw, on the other hand... I'm just not I'm just not on board with it. It looks fine, but I I don't usually like uh Antoine Fuqua either, so Exactly. It just it looks fine. It looks fine. It'll be fine. What are you thinking on like it? A, like a uh man, fifty six. Alright, I'll say uh I'll say sixty two on that one. Yeah. Alright. Next week in limited release, we have Samba. We have the Vatican tapes. That may actually be a wide release. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I think it's opening pretty wide. It's a horror film. Um, American Heist, Unexpected, Dark Was the Night. It's another horror film. Big Significant Things, which is a road trip comedy of sorts that I saw. I feel like uh, an eternity ago at South by. <laughs> Uh, five Star and Phoenix, which is a World War II Holocaust movie. Uh, let's see. VOD? Let's do some VOD stuff. Pull up my list. Pull it. We have Ten Cent Pistol. That looks like a one of those kind of 90s-esque Tarantino ripoff crime caper. All right. Dark Was the Night. Capital C, which is a documentary about crowdfunding. 
the Stanford Prison Experiment, which uh, that's that's playing a limited release right now. I might I might go check that out today. Actually, I, I heard good things. Uh, Unexpected and Lucky Stiff. The Stanford Prison Experiment is that where they had like the students, some of the students be mm-hmm. guards and some of them be prisoners. Mm-hmm. 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 Ugh. Actually, no, I don't, I don't see that now. <laughs> They've already made a movie about that. They've made several. <laughs> I just saw him. I saw a movie about that not too long ago. With like, I think Stephen Dorfer was in it or something. I'm not gonna bother. I think there's, there's, there's. I I'm trying to look that up right now, actually. Cause yeah, there was. Uh, Cause I watched one a while back too. I'd probably be more interested to actually see a documentary about it. But even then, it's like, I already know what happens. All right. Uh, the, yeah. The, the experiment. Yeah, the experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was in there. Stephen Dorff, isn't it? No, Adrian Brody. Forrest oh, Wolf Adrian. Baker, uh, Clifton Collins Jr. Okay. I was, I was thinking Stephen Dorff when it was Adrian Brody. Yeah, and then because it, it's a remake of it. The German film Das Experiment. So, alright. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, the experiment was terrible. It was a terrible movie. Yeah. Next week on Blu-ray, we have I, Madman, which is a horror film from 1989, which I never saw. I'm pretty excited to see that. So I'll be checking that one out. What We Do in the Shadows. It's got a cool cover. Pretty excited about that cover. If you haven't seen that yet, absolutely check that out. Uh, Showdown Little Tokyo from 1991 is getting a release. Madhouse from 1974. Kung Fu Killer, the Donnie Yen film. I think that that's playing at Fantasia Fest right now. And uh, I'm pretty pretty into that. I like Donnie Yen a lot. So check that out. Getting yourself amped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, How Ha coming out. I'd avoid that one. Okay, yeah. Not on board. Yeah. Not on board with that one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Wild Horses. It's the one with Robert Duvall and James Franco and uh, Josh Hartnett. I'm going to now have that song stuck in my head. Wild Horses. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's now officially stuck in my head. Thank you. Sorry about that. I hate that song. <laughs> well, it's better because it got Prince out of my head. Okay. I had Prince stuck in my head for a while. So, thanks. I guess. Alright. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things. Black Sabbath is getting a Blu-ray release. I'm not sure if that was originally, if that ever, if that was ever on Blu-ray before or not. Oh. Arrow Video is putting out uh, Cemetery Without Crosses in okay. 1969. So, some, some, some decent stuff. Of course, Scooby-Doo meets Kiss. What? Yeah. Actually, the full title is Scooby-Doo and Kiss Rock and Roll Mystery. Yes. Yes. But it's actually, the, the funny thing is it's actually a new movie. It's new. It's, it's, not, it's not like an old, it's not the old Scooby-Doo. It's a new one. Well, <laughs> it's understand. You got to cash in on that Kiss excitement. I mean, Kiss. They're back. They, I mean, <laughs> the popularity with Kiss right now is through the roof. You got to get in on that. They're wow, back in a big way. You can't be waiting around. You gotta strike while the iron's hot. Get that kiss money. (laughs) 
Uh, got any criterions this week? We have one. It's Stephen Frears, my beautiful laundrette, coming out. So there you go. Have you seen this one? I have not seen this one. I've never even heard of that movie. I don't think I've ever seen a Stephen Frears movie, to be quite honest. I don't know if I have either. What else is... I don't even know what else he's done. What else has he done? Oh, he did... Uh, did he do, like, The Queen and... What's this? He did uh, High Fidelity. So Okay, yeah, huge, yeah, yeah. I did huge fan of High Fidelity. Yeah, I don't really remember High Fidelity. Well, you should rewatch it because I probably amazing. should. I probably should rewatch that. I could go for that actually. It's an awesome, awesome ass. Actually, I want to rewatch High Fidelity now. Let's 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 fucking get together and watch rewatch some uh, High Fidelity. I'll yeah, I'll just uh, hop on the train, come over there to watch High Fidelity. Perfect. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right, I think that that's going to wrap it up for the week. Remember to send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. Please take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash FilmPulse, and consider subscribing for as little as $1 per month. For Kevin Rakestraw and Ernie Trinidad, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.